Well, here's my first question. Do you think it's a little dangerous handing out guns in a bank? Did you know that America is being divided by partisan rhetoric on both sides? Hello and welcome once again to Michael and Us, a nostalgic voyage through the life, films, art, thought, and influence of Michael Moore. I'm Will Sloan, with me. I'm Luke Savage. I noticed that you dropped a depressing from the usual uh, smorgasbord of adjectives that you stick to the intro there. Because I'm all fired up. I'm no longer (laughs) depressed by this topic. I feel... You know, Slacker Uprising, the Michael Moore film uh, with which we introduced this podcast. That really took it out of us. But but that one ended with the note that through the Slacker Uprising tour, a new political generation was born. And And here we are. And that's us. You know, here we are 12 years later, however long it is. Uh, We'll get into the movie that we watched today, which is called This Divided State. First of all, Michael Moore has been worming his way into the news a bit lately. Uh, widely shared on Facebook was his recent blog post, uh, Five Reasons I Think Donald Trump Will Win the Election. I, I, I think it's safe to say that that was a bit of a provocation. Right. I don't think Michael Moore actually thinks Trump is going to win the election. Right, although it's it's funny, like, he did write it in a context where, I mean, I, I think that's only about a three-week-old thing, but it did feel for a while like Trump was going to win, and in the last week since we last recorded even... It seems like Trump is trying to sabotage his own campaign, or that's the conventional wisdom. Well, that leads us to the article that Michael Moore has just written for Alternet.org. We're recording this on Sunday, so who knows? Trump may have dropped out by the time this (laughs) podcast drops. He may very well have. Who knows? Uh, But it's called An Open Letter to Ivanka Trump from Michael Moore. Your dad is not well. It's time for an intervention. (laughs) So Uh, just imagine this in, you know, Michael Moore's kind of sing song his, his lacrimose kind of <laughs> earnestness here's the thing you hear that an open letter to ivanka by michael Ugh. moore and you think okay this this will be funny like <laughs> the uh, an american satirist in the tradition of mark twain as critics <laughs> called him at the time of of roger and me he's gonna bring out the the jokes but but here's how it starts dear ivanka dear ivanka i'm writing to you because your dad is not well Every day he continues his spiral downward, and after his call for gun owners to commit acts of violence against Mrs. Clinton, it is clear he needs help. Serious help. His comments and behavior have become more and more bizarre and detached from reality. He is in need of an intervention, and I believe only you can conduct it. And you think, okay, here we go. We're gonna... Pretty soon we're gonna get some jokes. We're gonna... (laughs) We're, we're going to get some jokes, but a few paragraphs go by and he writes... He's he's praising Ivanka, you know, I believe you to be an intelligent woman. <laughs> I and... say this with the utmost kindness, care, and concern for you, and I know you will do the right thing. Bring him in off the road, away from the crowds. Now. Tonight. <laughs> and then he, he quotes uh, his... His good friend, former counselor and social worker Jeff Gibbs, who drafts an entire conversation that Ivanka can deliver to Donald Trump. Yeah, so this is not a clickhole article or anything. <laughs> this is just something that Michael Moore thought that the internet needed to see. C- for could some you reason. read a little bit of the. Uh, all right, I'm not doing the voice though. Okay. Uh, all right, so the letter begins. Uh, so this is um, Ivanka Trump. Uh, in this imaginary conversation that is the kind of liberal wet dream of Jeff Gibbs and Michael Moore. Dad, 
we have to have a chat. Are you feeling okay? Do you have a minute? Please sit down because this isn't going to be easy. I feel okay. I feel <laughs> the greatest. Nobody feels better than me. Okay, it's a little, little ad-libbing there from Will. That's not actually part of the scene, but I think it- No, you see, nobody has ever spiritually done- Spiritually, it is part of the nobody scene. Nobody has ever done a Trump impression, so I thought I would try- <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would chart virgin terrain here. Well, I think we've broke new ground. Uh, we can stop recording right now. Uh, so this Ivanka continues, uh, fictional Ivanka. No, I am not pregnant. Oh my god. Oh, oh that's a joke. No, what is going on is- is I am really, really worried about my father, about you. Dad, I owe you, I owe everything to you. You've built an empire, a brand, and a business for the ages. You've taken care of me, inspired me, and through your example, have made me who I am, a self-confident, honest to a flaw woman. But dad, I am deeply worried. You haven't been yourself lately. The father I know is not a hater, not someone who encourages violence. Dad, you used to be a liberal. You raised me as a liberal. The Clintons were your friends. Chelsea is one of my best friends. And now you're joking that Hillary should be assassinated? Really? And it, and it goes on like just that. Just goes on and on. Uh, it, it uh, goes for on many paragraphs. Forever. And then, and then it ends with, take my hand. Let's end this. And by tomorrow, you and I will be sipping martinis on our yacht in the Hamptons with Chelsea and the friends we <laughs> still have left. I love you, Dad. Let's do this. That's right. Take my hand. Here we go. And then it cuts back in, in this letter to Michael Moore as a narrator. Ivanka, I have faith in you that you can do this. I know I've called your dad crazy before, but I was speaking politically, not clinically. This has gone beyond crazy. The entire nation, in fact, the entire world, needs you to step forward and do the courageous thing history will praise you for. The loving act of a brilliant daughter who also loved her beleaguered country enough to say her father wasn't well and needed help. Thank you, Ivanka. Yours, Michael Moore. I, I really don't care about the feelings of anybody with the last name Trump, but, I mean, it, this is just so, like, why does Michael Moore think that Ivanka Trump wants to hear from him? Why does he think... I mean, why well, is he? he does so, this is just performance. I know, but why it's is all he, about how Michael? I, I'm Michael Moore. I'm so sensitive. I'm so patronizing I'm, for him to write this like fictional <laughs> conversation out. I, I feel like this is you know we, when we've criticized Michael Moore in the past. Like for me anyway, the big problem is his kind of uh, postpartisan instincts. Like right. even though in these films we watch, he's got this reputation for being this like divisive demagogue on the left or whatever. Fundamentally, he always comes back to this idea that you know there's. It's only this tiny minority that divides us, and you know, there's this kernel of sanity that can always be appealed to, and and is essential to you know the American ethos or something. And he's doing that again here. It's yeah. like he's putting forth the idea that Donald Trump can somehow be saved. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's the conceit of this. And you know, people did the same thing with our own uh, Rob Ford. You know, uh, when he died a few months ago, all these people that ranted about him for months and and were so offended by everything he did and then all of a sudden it was just like but of course he loved the city yeah. and he just and it's like luke i just hope that rob ford gets the help he needs <laughs> oh my god too soon uh well i mean all i was just gonna say is that this letter is uh at a time he wrote this for alternate.org um michael morris you know we're here at a time when michael moore is not a very important figure this uh open letter has somehow failed to go viral um, wow, I know, but but 
we'd like to take you back to a time when Michael Moore was a man of enormous significance, a man who, when he came to do a speech at Utah Valley State College just weeks before the 2004 election, there were mass protests. There were businessmen trying to pay the school to cancel the speech. There were petitions to have the student council leaders fired. I'm referring to a film called This Divided State, which came out in 2005 and chronicles the most contentious stop of Michael Moore's slacker uprising tour. Just two weeks before the presidential election, one of the most heated debates may be in Utah. UVSC has booked controversial filmmaker Michael Moore. Imagine what it's like if you live in Utah and you're for, and you're for Kerry, you know. It's... No more life! No more life! And so it's kind of like a kind of a missionary thing that we're doing. You, you walk through the streets and you feel like if you like Michael Moore, you're going to hell because everybody thinks that you're a bad Mormon. This man hates who we are, he hates our value, and he would like to destroy us. People say that you have betrayed your religion, your country, your family. I want you to tell me the issues, what this is really about. And you're afraid of what he said. No, I'm not. You're afraid no, of what not. What surprised me is, is how this has been made into a good versus evil debate. So is it a, a, a for certain thing? Is there anything that will stop Michael Moore? This, this is a petition against the decision to bring Michael Moore to campus. Do you want to sign the petition? This guy's not evil. Uh, personally, I hate the man. Here, little liberal, liberal, liberals. Here, little liberals. I thought this movie was pretty good. Yeah, so, I mean, we were pleasantly surprised. It was really hard to... Uh, to even find apparently it's available on dvd there's a there's a website for the film which has a streaming option which really hilariously says coming soon and, and i think at this point now that we are 11 years away from this movie yeah coming it's, out. it's not it's not coming <laughs> yeah. um but you know this film it opens it looks really like low grade i mean it's pretty low budget it's made for only 10 grand um i was surprised that it looks like the center for american progress which is one of the which is i'm kind of the major democratic aligned think tank in washington it's a very powerful organization uh they had money in this or some involvement maybe or something. they picked it up and helped to get distribution i don't know yeah um but it is you know the yeah so the film starts out and it's quite low grade but we i think found ourselves pretty captivated by yeah. what it's what it's chronicling which is so you know the this is the state college in um utah valley in utah valley which is a hugely conservative and it seems like pretty overwhelmingly mormon community the student government has booked michael moore they the university is also having sean hannity speak mm -hmm. but they're trying to get some big name speakers to talk about the election from both sides of the aisle yeah just to get students talking and thinking about the election and Michael Moore's booking causes a wave of protests. We see conservative students distributing petitions to protest the fact that $40,000 of student money was put forward to book Michael Moore, even though the event has sponsors. The ticket sales are going to cover it. Yeah. So they're actually, like, it really does seem that they have, their main talking point is is a lie, basically. Yeah, which is and, the, there, and there's a kind of amazing scene where somebody confronts one of these conservative students on that, saying that, well, there are ticket sales and there are sponsors. Student, this isn't costing students any money. And the guy basically knows it's a lie, but he just says, listen, if you don't agree with it, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't sign, sign the petition. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so the film, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the strangest thing about it is that it's hard to believe anybody cares this much about Michael Moore. I mean, the scenes in this film, there's a rally in support of having Moore there you know that ends up being sort of a bipartisan rally there's there's a lot of people there who you know don't want him to go they they allow various people to speak including a 
you know, former uh, or current, I guess, U.S. serviceman who says, you know, we fight for free speech abroad, but... You know, when somebody comes and they slander the troops, you can't allow that. There's a student uh, who's a foreign student from Togo who says, you know, we don't have free speech in my country. This is so important here. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's various things. But the, the, the crowds in this film are quite amazing. I mean, this, this is not some minor, you know, fringe incident on campus. There are thousands of people that are concerning themselves with this. Mm. And I mean, that just on its own, I think, is a pretty amazing thing to see. The villain of the piece is a local businessman named Kay Anderson, a real estate uh, salesman, quite wealthy, who kind of puts himself forward as being the representative, the self-imposed representative of Utah Valley and tries to pay the campus $25,000 to cover all of the tickets that have been sold if they would cancel uh, Michael Moore's appearance. And his line of argument, we see we see him arguing at various times. It's kind of amazing some of the things he says. Yeah, I mean, he, he really, like if this were a fiction film, you would dismiss this as, oh, this is a straw man villain. Right. Uh, somebody like this can't possibly exist. But he's talking about how, well, we live in Utah Valley because it's a valley that it's an area that represents our beliefs and we don't want the outside world encroaching on it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he really is like a liberal's wet dream of a conservative villain. He's, he's pretty <laughs> fascinating and he, he looks he looks pretty sinister as well. And he has kind of a he has a sort of compulsory smile, which is which is. Mm-hmm quite sinister and but he's he's an amazing figure because he's kind of openly authoritarian in his outlook and we we learn in one scene that this extends to i mean he he extends the same principles to himself he is so anxious about the purity of his kind of uh religious conservatism being tainted Mm -hmm. uh by external influence that there's a scene where uh, people are being asked, critics of Michael Moore being asked, if you've seen, you know, have you seen Fahrenheit 9-11? And he says, well, my wife got it. I wasn't going to watch it, but my wife got it from Clean Flicks. <laughs> and we watched the edited version. You see there's a an image, Clean Flicks, you know. It, Clean Flicks is something that used to get a bit of ink back in the Bush era. Mm-hmm. But Clean Flicks was a service where they would take movies and... Uh, edit out all of the R or PG-13 related material. Right. And <laughs> so what's extraordinary about this is, you know, and I remember there were a lot of kind of like free speech issues surrounding. Free, right. Like, I think there were lawsuits about right. censorship and right. that sort of thing. Well, and I mean, also just, it's, it's I mean, insane. Are you allowed to just edit people's films and well, then distribute them? Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that's kind of what the, the crux of it was. It's right. just insane that like grown adults would be so concerned about. Right. Well, that's what I think is interesting about this guy. And it was this more than anything else that I think revealed to me, like just how, deep and committed his conservatism is Mm -hmm. because you know like this is a guy whose whole argument is like we can't have michael moore come here because just his his mere presence will taint community but he's willing to extend that principle to himself like he doesn't trust his own subjectivity to Mm -hmm. resist you know so he has to watch some like antiseptic version of Fahrenheit 911. I mean, that is extraordinary to me. And it's just interesting when people confront him on it, they have these circular arguments where he keeps coming back to the idea that, well, you don't understand Utah Valley. The vast majority of people here believe a certain thing and those, and those who don't believe it should keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Uh, because this is who our community is. And right. of course, when people say, well, who are you to say who the community is? It, yeah. The circular argument keeps coming back. There's no one in this community who is um, opposed to UVSC's right to speak. Uh, But almost everyone that I have spoke to has uh, very concerned about the use of the free speech. Uh, Free speech works because most of us have the good sense to know when to keep our mouths shut. Uh, And and that this issue um, 
is very offensive to the community. Um, this is a very uh, conservative community, um, and, uh, and bringing Michael Moore here is an insult to this community's values. Uh, and uh, I understand that doesn't express the opinion of all, but it does express the opinion of the majority. Um, the majority of this valley is conservative. So this is a film, and we'll you know we'll talk about the thesis of this film more later. I mean, but clearly it's it's about, in some ways, about you know the country is divided by all this toxic rhetoric, and it's not helping. But I think that it captures something else, which mm -hmm. is that this kind of post-partisan liberal fantasy that I think the film is endorsing. This idea that even if there are differences, all we need to do is introduce civility, we need to expose right. people to different views. This guy is proof that that, ult that philosophy ultimately just cannot accommodate certain views. Mm -hmm. There is no, like, that guy, you see him quote from uh, scripture that he's, you know, he's delivered a sermon or something at his local church. He and teaches Sunday school. Teaches Sunday school. And the scripture is just, I mean, really it is, it is illiberal scripture. You know, I had a uh, Sunday school lesson Sunday that I taught the gospel doctrine and I read 3 Nephi 11, 29 and 30 where it says that this is not my doctrine, uh, this doctrine of contention. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are not a contentious community. We are not a contentious people. And, I mean, the fact is, if somebody, if that's somebody's worldview, there is no way it's compatible with this kind of liberal democratic framework. And, I mean, take that take from that way you will. I mean, he, mm. he has a, I mean, he does have a, a point when he says that the community is, you know, a majority I mean, the state college, I think, is unrepresentative of the community because it's a state college, mm. because a lot of the funding, I mean, uh, a lot of the funding, you know, comes from the state government. Uh, it doesn't come from the local community. And a lot of the students there, you know, I mean, it's a, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a liberal college. Mm. Um, and so it is kind there, of And there, there are professors the, who we see who are clearly about as liberal as it gets in a Mormon college. Yeah, absolutely. There's a subplot in this movie, by the way, where uh, Sean Hannity comes to campus. Which, which is fascinating. Well, it's great because Sean Hannity makes a big deal about how well he's going to waive his speaking fee for this event. But of course, uh, he's not waiving his transportation fee, which is $49,000. For a private jet yeah, that and, he has demanded. First class accommodations. And $49,000 is more than what Michael Moore is asking yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, and we see him do his speech and i mean i don't know if i'm looking at this through like partisan glasses it's pretty awful but he he's a bad man in my opinion yeah like we have a couple of people in the audience who are liberal professors who try to who try to challenge his points a little bit and he says things like ah another liberal yeah you know, so we got a hostile liberal yeah. here yeah. here let me educate you yeah so you so you're you're the professor of communications here huh have you thought of Berkeley or any of these other places? Uh, who's waving over here? What's he doing? Is he okay? Are you all right? Oh, you want the question. I thought you were just, you know, a liberal on drugs. Uh, and I don't know, watching it, I, I, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying not to just look at this through... Uh, you can imagine Michael Moore doing the same thing, right? I mean, we've seen him... I in guess. Uh, is he that bad? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Michael Moore sort of pays lip service to that postpartisan idea that, oh, well, you know, we're really all brothers, and hey, we have an armed service man in the audience. Thank you! But, Thank but you! But do you remember the scene where he, in Slacker Uprising, where he gets interrupted by, like, Bush people and they're praying... And he starts going like, well, they've got God on their side. Ooh, and like all this kind of well, stuff. Well, I mean, in fairness, they did like interrupt his rally to do a to do like a vigil. 
Um, or what about I mean, when... at that point, there comes a point when if somebody's interrupting your rally, you just pray through it. You've got to, like, well, what about, joke a little what bit. What about when... Sure. What about when uh, the Michael Moore Hates America guy stands up and he says, it's you who hates America and all this kind of stuff? Like... Uh, yeah. I, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I... <laughs> all, all I can tell you is I prefer Michael Moore to Sean Hannity because I think Hannity's more guilty of it. And also, I think Hannity carries around that sort of, like, alpha male posture. I think there's a mean streak to Hannity which really comes through. And, that I, and I don't think the mean streak is as evident in Moore. No. And I think... Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't know. I don't understand Hannity's appeal. No. I mean, I guess it's just people like this kind of, like good-looking, square-jawed um, guy who is has absolute certitude and makes fun of his enemies. But I don't like him. No. Uh, Hot take. I, I don't under... I mean, I... But I mean, it's like saying I don't understand the appeal of any, like, Fox News personality. Yeah, Hannity, I, I believe, is still one of the ones... He never formally endorsed Trump, but he's kind of a proper fellow traveler. Well, lately, he seems to be totally... I mean, Trump has been appearing on his show. Yeah. And uh, Hannity has been defending him a lot. I know that Hannity just recently did a special uh, looking into the family history of the Khan family. Oh, God. Um, And I think this is another thing that's great about Hannity. There are certain of these uh, conservative public intellectuals like George Will who have declined to endorse Trump. I mean, not just for the fact that Trump's a racist and all that, but for the fact that they think Trump is fundamentally non-conservative. So there's a bit of an internal consistency to their view of him, at least. Uh, but Hannity, you know, or you have somebody like Newt Gingrich now, who is just clearly an opportunist, and now Newt Gingrich is somehow against NAFTA, because yeah. Trump is. Or you have somebody like Hannity, who I think this election cycle has just revealed him to be, you know, just a total opportunist. Maybe, although I I'm, I want to resist the narrative that the people who are critical of Trump are, like, I mean... In no way am I trying to endorse George Will. No, no, what sure. I'm saying is, at, at least there's a consistency to what they believe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I don't want to give it any credit beyond that. I just think they, I just think they dislike Trump because he renders bare like what they do believe, and they find it embarrassing, and they think he's a he's but, an but, impractical vessel for it. Sure. I, they, well, I agree with that with a lot of people, but with George Will, his argument against him is that he thinks Trump's right. economic policies oh, are, right. are liberal. Not, right. Right. Whereas you see somebody like Hannity who, or Ann Coulter who for years have been arguing in favor of sort of like the Bush economic policies, who are now suddenly all for Trump. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But so let's talk... But I don't like any of them, so (laughs) just to be clear. Let's let's talk about, like, the thesis in this film. Because I I think that... And the film is supposed to be about, you know, that we have too much toxic partisanship and stuff. And it does, I mean, it does well, show Well, allegedly, that but I, I don't think it's really what it's about. Because, what, what do you think it's about? Well, I think it's about that idea of what, what makes America great is the fact that we have a First Amendment. Right. And we're able to hear other views and we should be vigilant against people who would seek to limit what we can hear. I think that's the thesis. You don't see, you see almost nobody in this movie actually come out and say, I'm in favor of what Michael Moore says. Yeah. Most people... Although there's clearly a lot of people that actually do on campus that want to see him and... Clearly, but I mean, when we, we see a public meeting of the university administration talking to concerned people from the community, and basically what, what they say is, hey, you know, a lot of us don't agree with Michael Moore, but, you know, I've seen the movie, he's not evil, and yeah. uh, really what's great about a university is a university is supposed to be where you have your ideas challenged and hear different views. Yeah. And I think that's essentially the thesis of the film. 
And also, a lot of people make the argument that, well, hey, the Mormons, which is what we are, were a persecuted minority right. who had to flee to another area. But you don't do you think it follows from that that kind of you know the you know like that the trouble with America in two thousand and four is that we're also really shrill and we're not listening to each other and we should just I guess so maybe that's implicit yeah because yeah. I mean it seems to me that 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 um, and I mean the fact that it's called this divided state mm-hmm. and things like that I mean. I was impressed by the way that some of the kind of liberal institutions in this film actually held up under pressure. Mm. And it's surprising for me to say that, but mm-hmm. uh, the fact that these kind of liberal professors like stood up and, you know, a bunch of them, you know, did radio interviews and stuff and they defended the student leaders and things. I thought that was pretty amazing considering what they were up against. One person asked me like, are you related to this person that has my same last name? And I said yes, and they're like, well, he was a great person, and you shamed your name and things like that. So A lot of name-calling profan- with profanity used, you know, and, and just people saying that, you know, we're just ignorant youth. And How are we to know that donors were going to stop donating to the college because of one speaker who didn't happen to have the same views as them? People that just think liberal- liberalism is evil, and you can either vote Republican or evil. But I don't know, it, this film, for me anyway, did feel like it was kind of tapping into this idea that um, the debate is too shrill. And I, it definitely did take the side of the people defending Moore. And the, and I mean, that is, we can see that in the fact that the Hannity scene is just about, it's not about people interrupting Hannity. It's not trying to draw an equivalence. It's trying to be like, look at Hannity is bullying all the liberal people as well. And like, he's mm-hmm. shouting them down and mm-hmm. people aren't allowed to speak. I do think there's a strand of thought, which kind of the the main diagnosis of political problems, I think it still exists. I think that was it was especially true 2004 and it really hit its peak in kind of 2000, 2008, 2009, which is this idea that like disagreement itself kind of is the problem and, and the debate is too shrill and... Mm. It's the fact that differing ideas can't be heard, and if they were, political culture would be a lot more robust and there would be a lot more agreement. They like the idea of disagreement and debate, but not if people get too angry when they're disagreeing or debating. Right, and I, and I just think that the problem with that view, I mean, this film, I think, inadvertently shows the problem of that with that view, which is that if you're somebody as conservative as this real estate mogul, um, if your community really is bound, if it's, if it's social bonds really do kind of consist of these, like, deep conservative beliefs i mean the liberal state and and it are completely irreconcilable Mm -hmm. and at that point all you can do is pick a side right um and i think that i that may sound like a truism and in some ways it is but i think that that's something that's not something a lot of liberals kind of want to acknowledge and when Mm -hmm. i was watching this film i was thinking about the rally to restore sanity oh yeah that was good which you know happened i guess in what 2010 something like that yeah about there and I, and I think I just want to read uh, a paragraph or two from a Jacobin article that was published in 2014 uh, by Robin Marie Averbeck, uh, which is probably one of my favorite Jacobin articles and which it's called Why I'm, Why I'm Not a Liberal. And it's really, I think, the definitive critique of this view and, you know, is worth considering, I think, in, in, in relation to a lot of the films that we're talking about in this series. So it's about uh, the rally to restore sanity. She writes... I was standing in the National Mall, surrounded by nearly a quarter million people, when I realized I wasn't a liberal. I'd come to Washington, along with 215,000 others, to participate in John Stewart's Rally to Restore Sanity, an event inspired by Glenn Beck's Rally to Restore Honor. 
The festival reached its height as the spectators were treated to a video montage of fire-breathing pundits from all the major news networks denouncing their political opponents. The message was clear. Those who tell you there are fundamental differences between Americans that are worth getting emphatically angry about are lying to you. This divided America, an America that contains people with radically different values and radically different ideas of what a just moral society looks like, does not exist. If it seems otherwise, it is simply because, as one sign at the rally put it, we fail to use our inside voices. Standing in the crowd, I felt my brows furrow. True, the antics of cable news conflict do nothing to contribute to the national discourse. True, most American citizens are more complex than the buffoons we rightly dismiss as pundits. Yet for all their shameless spectacle making, the talking heads of the national news media do get one thing right. There are substantial and fundamental oppositions between Americans. Yet if mainstream liberal outlets are your major news source, you would never know it. Stewart himself has drove this point home with his final speech, an earnest pain to looking past our differences, built on the assumption that ultimately we all share the same goals, hopes, and dreams. So it goes on, and I would you know, highly recommend the, the article. But Well, I have a reading of my own. It's from uh, <laughs> at M.M. Flint on Twitter. Uh, Michael, our, our boy. Michael Moore writes, <laughs> Mental illness is not a joke. If there's a candidate who's not well, then no matter our politics isn't the decent thing to numeral two do is get him help question mark oh boy so i don't know just something to think about <laughs> yeah so i feel like that tweet is just kind of tapping into the same the same thing which i'm taking issue with which is this idea that there's this fundamental i mean it, it may be it may be too bleak that people don't want to admit it but this idea that there's this fundamental kind of solidarity that everyone can just fall back on mm-hmm. and uh i just I just don't think I just don't think that's true. The, the the point of politics is to represent difference and and it's to be a site of contention and conflict. And sure, you know, persuasion does happen, and it's good that when debates can be held kind of in as minimally toxic a way as possible, that's probably good. I mean, I find you know a lot of my most productive conversations are with conservatives when we kind of recognize at the outset that we have completely different views on things Mm. and then it's all about kind of getting to what our base assumptions are and i think that in itself is a constructive uh exercise but like there's nothing that we can do in that that's going to make us agree and Mm. i think a constructive step would be for everybody especially michael moore to uh to realize that well michael i hope you're listening <laughs> i know you are <laughs> and if you want to come on the show yeah open invitation pal uh, this school is here uh, because we as a community want to educate our children and we've hired this college to do it um, and if this college cannot represent uh, the values and the attitudes of this community um, then perhaps uh, they need to step aside and let us hire someone who will uh, so what are we talking about next week, Will? Want to do a capitalism, a love story? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we've been kind of periodically now dipping in and out. We had the dark ages of like three films in a row that yeah. were Michael Moore. And we had a good time with Sicko a few weeks ago. And I have I have some optimism about capitalism, a love story. Yeah, I think I have some pretty good memories of this one. I think I might like this, mm-hmm. but I've been proven wrong before. <laughs> this is the movie that Michael Moore made in 2009 about the financial collapse. I know there's a comical scene where he goes to Wall Street and tries to with with big like bags and tries to get the money back from the bailout. And he, and he asks people uh, if they know what derivatives are. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, um, classic comedy. And But then there's other stuff. Uh, this is a movie that, when it came out, I think this was pretty much 
the end of Michael Moore being a major yeah. force. Because even though this movie made some money for a documentary, it wasn't talked about very much. And it and it ends with kind of the Obama surge happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and then he rather hilariously seems to speculate that Obama might, like, challenge capitalism, which is really and funny. And he did. So... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've been I've been looking at my bank account and seeing all the tax dollars that have gone towards <laughs> like towards having so- Michael Moore speak. Yeah, and- <laughs> I know. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> anyway, until next week, capitalism love story. Update your Netflix queue. Uh, go to YouTube. Go to any local gas station and find it among the used movies there and uh, play along. We'll see you next time. Well, I'm looking at the world now, and it's going insane. Thinking about checking out, can't do it again. But I know just who I am, how strong I can be. And I know I'm the only one who can help us be free. This country's yours and mine. It's the home of the brave and free. It's the place for you and me. It's only a matter of time Till we get things back on track Our values are under attack now And the bad guys get the benefits Rest of us pay their way Patriots are under attack Just for having their say While I'm riding down Freedom Road Agents on my tail you wave a flag on Christmas Day, they'll throw you in jail. Hey, this country's yours and mine. It's the home of the brave and free. It's a place for you and me. It's only a matter of time till we get things back on track. If you're black or white, there's a difference between wrong and right. It's written down for all to read. That's the U.S. Constitution. It's all you need. This country's yours and mine. It's the home of the brave and free. It's a place for you and me. It's only a matter of time. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this Love your new song, Decker. <laughs>